Welcome to Landscape Lullabies. I am your host, Stephanie, a former professional chef turned food and travel writer. In each lullaby, I will take you along to explore a new idyllic landscape, both sea and land. Sometimes, we meet people along the way. I have written each landscape to describe the sounds, smells, and sensations of the location we submerge into as you drift off to sleep. I will re-walk the landscape with you a second time after we experience it first together. Because food and travel intersect so often, there is additional content called Kitchen Lullabies on Patreon, as well as bonus episodes of Landscapes. Check show notes for information. Now, get comfortable in your bed and relax. One breath in. Breathe out, and as you exhale, feel your feet and legs sink into the bed, imagining they have become weightless. Deep breath in again. On your second exhale, release the tension and weight of your torso and arms into the bed. And on your third exhale, release all the tension from your jaw. Open it slightly so your teeth do not touch, your brow does not furrow, and your neck lets go of any weight. Now that you're completely relaxed, let's explore the landscape. Yemeni, rural area in the Italian countryside is afternoon. It is a day full of sun. The air carries a light breeze and my anticipation is giving me butterflies. I am invited to meet a man known in the area for his precision pizzas. I am not entirely sure what that means, but I am entirely sure that I want to find out. The road to the property that he shares with his wife, three dogs, and a bird is lined with tall, slender Italian cypress trees. The driver has gotten me to this location more quickly than expected. I have asked to be let out at the top of the drive. It seems a long walk to the home and I can take my time. I have a camera with me to capture some memories along the way. Behind me, there are gently rolling green hills that 
the passing clouds cast a shadow on as they move across the sky. The sounds of the country are amplified now with nothing else to drown them out. A small brown bird with a white chubby breast flutters from one cypress to another, feathers catching the sun and casting off a gold spark or two as it lets out a short song. I turn my lens to capture him as he lands on the chosen branch for just a moment, long enough to get his image before he changes to another location while singing once again, perhaps calling out to a friend or simply enjoying the beautiful afternoon. The sandy beige gravel shifts slightly under my flat shoes as I take steps towards the home. The air smells of a faint mix comprised of earth, grass, and flowers. I take two deep breaths, trying to pinpoint which flower and decide it is more than one that perfumes the air. The L-shaped home is now in view. It is two stories, and simple, but larger than an average house in my own country. It is a light-colored stucco with black window shutters. The black front door is outlined by a painted white frame. It certainly has been here for many decades. Weather-worn red tiles stacked in perfect symmetrical rows cover the roof. A vintage bicycle that has seen some years is leaned up against the house under a shower of vibrant magenta bougainvillea climbing down from one corner of the rooftop. The side of the house that is covered in shade this time of day has a lemon tree full of lemons partially hidden from where I stand. A deeply tan, white-haired man energetically appears from behind the lemon tree. Signore Bianchi, I ask. He nods and smiles, greeting me with a two-handed handshake and a kiss to each cheek. His English is broken and my Italian is non-existent, but we both know the international language of food. With a hand gesture, he signals me to follow him to the loggia at the back of the house. It has been transformed into a rustic outdoor kitchen and dining area. The roof is nearly completely grown over in ivy and the vines. They wrap down each of the posts supporting it. Terracotta tiles cover the floor and it is all very charming. Mrs. Bianchi emerges from the house with just as much energy as her husband. She is a bit more fair-skinned with similar white hair that she keeps cut into a bob. It has a slight wave near the bottom that bounces when she walks towards us. 
She's carrying a tray containing an antique white glass pitcher filled with icy water and lemon slices, presumably from the tree near the front of the house. She has a big white smile and she sets the tray on the table that seats six. Her English is better than her husband's. She invites me to sit and have some refreshment with them. As she fills three glasses with the sunshine-colored liquid, it makes just a bit of a splash. By way of a creaky back door, Mr. Bianchi disappears into the house. She tells me she was a schoolteacher for 25 years and befriended an American early on in her teaching life. The American was in Italy for a decade teaching English and much of that language rubbed off on her. She asks me about the things I have seen and dishes I have eaten while visiting her country. She presses me to know my favorite foods and I tell her how tasty the local fare has been at each stop I have made but I have a secret to confess. I feel bashful to tell an Italian this, but I do not like tomatoes. She laughs, and she puts her hand on mine and leans close. I don't care for them very much, but don't worry. As luck would have it, my husband won't be making anything with tomatoes for you today. Mind you, I would eat whatever he served me, but I was a bit relieved hear this information. She looks over at the brick oven and tells me her son built it with his father so he could cook his pizzas in a wood oven. She tells me I cook in the house and he likes to cook outside. I give her a knowing nod because that is the way my parents did it too. She takes me on a tour of the property which is heavily shaded with trees. It is lush and alive. Deep green grass blankets the ground and it looks happy to be growing here. Several more lemon trees are in the backyard. The excess fruit is shared with neighbors unless one of her three grown children come and take baskets of them for their home. Further back is a small grove of olive trees. Some small green globes with flushes of pink adorn the branches and the long slender leaves temper the brightness of the sun. Mrs. Bianchi looks at the trees in admiration and strokes a leaf. It is early in the year for the olives to be ready, she says. But the trees are pretty, and I do like the look of them. A large black dog comes galloping towards us with a wagging tail and tongue hanging out of its mouth. This is Gus, she says. Gus sniffs my hand and gives it a lick before attaching himself to Mrs. Bianchi's side. She laughs as she rubs his head. 
he has probably been chasing the village cat. She keeps the mice under control and entertains this big dog that I have. In a small clearing, there is a vegetable garden and storage shed covered with wisteria lazily draping itself over the roof. She walks arm in arm with me, her hand over mine, and escorts me towards the plants, and the big black dog follows. She announces, I have 16 tomato plants because I am an Italian woman and it is some kind of law, I think. She laughs at her own words and tells me her husband likes them. I have squash, broccoli, and fava beans growing. The big rosemary bushes are on the side of the house and I have a special place for basil so the dogs don't bother it because of the things dogs do. You know what the male dogs do, she says as she gives me a wink and another stroke to Gus's head. I was born in this house, she tells me. She points to some small, pale pink rose bushes and tells me her grandmother started them and her mother loved to garden, and she herself continues to keep them flowering, removing old ones and replacing them when they stop making buds. This is the scent I smelled in the air at the top of the drive. There is a bucket with a small shovel and clippers near one of the bushes. She pulls out the clippers and scrutinizes one of the plants for a rose to clip. I will cut some of these for our table. They will be beautiful to look at while we eat. We walk back to the outdoor kitchen and Mr. Bianchi is waiting for us. I can smell the wood in the oven as we get closer. He calls out, our guest is here to see both of us, and you take her for yourself. He laughs and speaks some Italian to his wife. She tells me, he said, we have better things to serve you than water. Opening the old aqua blue fridge near the creaky door reveals several bottles of yellow liquid. This is the other thing I do with all the lemons. For me, I know exactly what it is. Mr. Bianchi puts three heavy glass cups on the table and pours some limoncello into each. Then raises a glass in a quick toasting motion and says, now I make the pizza. He has three balls of dough on a workspace near the brick oven that is already emitting a warm, earthy aroma. He has a tray of assorted foodstuffs and seasonings, and I attentively watch him make this pizza that has given him a reputation. With his fingertips, he begins to shape one of the balls into a round, flat disc, then gives it some spins with his fists until it is to his liking. 
He has a large dark blade knife that is quite unusual. I have seen many knives in my chef career, but this one clearly is a custom design. The handle looks to be made of bone. Mr. Bianchi sees me admiring it from my seat at the table and asks, You like? I nod. It is quite beautiful. My friend in Venice make it for me 19 years ago, and it is as sharp as a razor. I am starting to see why this is precision pizza. He sets the crust on a peel and takes a lemon from the tray and begins to cut it with the black bladed knife into slices so thin they are transparent. The color reminds me of the palest yellow I saw in a stained glass window inside a church in Rome. I am enthralled at this lemon slicing taking place next to a pizza oven. He continued to repeat this until more than half the lemon was in paper-thin rounds, taking care to flick out the seeds with the tip of the knife each time one appeared. Mrs. Bianchi starts to tell me about this pizza as he continues to slice other things like red onions, potatoes, and even smashes a few olives to expose the pits. As I sip homemade limoncello, she tells me, the pizza is something she tried to make, but it's not as good as when he does it. He knows the perfect amount of everything and how long to cook it. It is like a magician at work in my garden. She laughs a bit, but also glances at him with love and admiration. He is humming, clearly feeling joy as he moves through his process. I had to figure out things to do with all these lemons, so I put them on pizza. Why not, he says with a shrug of his shoulders, and continues to sing a bit more. Indeed, sir, why not? The other dogs appear and all sit under the ivy awning to escape the warm sun for a little while and perhaps to catch some scraps from our meal. Gus is firmly seated on the ground beside Mrs. Bianchi. Butterflies are darting around the flowers nearby. Lavender lines the walkway and they seem to enjoy it as Gus watches them. They are interesting, but not enough to leave the side of his mistress. Two pizzas are slid into the oven and the husband and wife are standing together, setting up plates to receive the hot pies when they come out. The air changed from smelling of pink roses to smelling of the wood-roasted pizza earthy stow and savory herbs. Within what seemed like seconds, he has the peel back in the oven, 
removing the thin rounds of lemon-topped flatbreads. He presents one to me and carefully watches my face. The edges have puffed blisters with a hint of char. The lemons have nearly melted into the dough. Bumps of olive pieces peek out. The onions have caramelized and a fawn of rosemary in the center adds a flavorful, artistic touch. He puts his finger on the top of an olive oil bottle and with dramatic motion drizzles just a bit before putting it on a plate. Please eat and tell me how much you love it. He kisses his wife and she joins me at the table. It is delicious. Crispy, tender, and full of delicate flavors that marry together perfectly. Mr. Bianchi refills my limoncello and sets another bottle beside me with instruction to take it with me when I go. With full bellies, we three sit exchanging stories and smiles until sundown when the taxi arrives to take me back to where I came from. Thank you for such a memorable pizza experience in the garden. I'm in a rural area in the Italian countryside this afternoon. It is a day full of sun. The air carries a light breeze and my anticipation is giving me butterflies. I am invited to meet a man known in the area for his precision pizzas. I am not entirely sure what that means, but I am entirely sure that I want to find out. The road to the property that he shares with his wife, three dogs, and a bird is lined with tall, slender Italian cypress trees. The driver has gotten me to this location more quickly than expected, so I have asked to be let out at the top of the drive. It seems a long walk to the home and I can take my time. I have a camera with me to capture some memories along the way. Behind me, there are gently rolling green hills that the passing clouds cast a shadow on as they move across the sky. The sounds of the country are amplified now with nothing else to drown them out. A small brown bird with a white chubby breast flutters from one cypress to another, feathers catching the sun and casting off a gold spark or two as it lets out a short song. I turn my lens to capture him as he lands on the chosen branch for just a moment, long enough to get his image before he changes 
to another location while singing once again. Perhaps calling out to a friend or simply enjoying the beautiful afternoon. The sandy beige gravel shifts lightly under my flat shoes as I take steps towards the home. The air smells of a faint mix comprised of earth, grass, and flowers. I take two deep breaths, trying to pinpoint which flower and decide it is more than one that perfumes the air. The L-shaped home is now in view. It is two stories, and simple, but larger than an average house in my own country. It is a light-colored stucco with black window shutters. The black front door is outlined by a painted white frame. It certainly has been here for many decades. Weather-worn red tiles stacked in perfect symmetrical rows cover the roof. A vintage bicycle that has seen some years is leaned up against the house under a shower of vibrant magenta bougainvillea climbing down from one corner of the rooftop. The side of the house that is covered in shade this time of day has a lemon tree full of lemons partially hidden from where I stand. A deeply tan, white-haired man energetically appears from behind the lemon tree. Signore Bianchi, I ask. He nods and smiles, greeting me with a two-handed handshake and a kiss to each cheek. His English is broken and my Italian is non-existent, but we both know the international language of food. With a hand gesture, he signals me to follow him to the loggia at the back of the house. It has been transformed into a rustic outdoor kitchen and dining area. The roof is nearly completely grown over in ivy and the vines. They wrap down each of the posts supporting it. Terracotta tiles cover the floor and it is all very charming. Mrs. Bianchi emerges from the house with just as much energy as her husband. She is a bit more fair-skinned with similar white hair that she keeps cut into a bob. It has a slight wave near the bottom that bounces when she walks towards us. She's carrying a tray containing an antique white glass pitcher filled with icy water and lemon slices, presumably from the tree near the front of the house. She has a big white smile and she sets the tray on the table that seats six. Her English is better than her husband's. She invites me to sit and have some refreshment with them. As she fills three glasses with the sunshine-colored liquid, it makes just a bit of a splash. By way of a creaky back door, Mr. Bianchi disappears.
disappears into the house. She tells me she was a school teacher for 25 years and befriended an American early on in her teaching life. The American was in Italy for a decade teaching English and much of that language rubbed off on her. She asks me about the things I have seen and dishes I have eaten while visiting her country. She presses me to know my favorite foods and I tell her how tasty the local fare has been at each stop I have made, but I have a secret to confess. I feel bashful to tell an Italian this, but I do not like tomatoes. She laughs and she puts her hand on mine and leans close. I don't care for them very much, but don't worry. As luck would have it, my husband won't be making anything with tomatoes for you today. Mind you, I would eat whatever he served me, but I was a bit relieved to hear this information. She looks over at the brick oven and tells me her son built it with his father so he could cook his pizzas in a wood oven. She tells me I cook in the house and he likes to cook outside. I give her a knowing nod because that is the way my parents did it too. She takes me on a tour of the property which is heavily shaded with trees. It is lush and alive. Deep green grass blankets the ground and it looks happy to be growing here. Several more lemon trees are in the backyard. The excess fruit is shared with neighbors unless one of her three grown children come and take baskets of them for their home. Further back is a small grove of olive trees. Some small green globes with flushes of pink adorn the branches and the long slender leaves temper the brightness of the sun. Mrs. Bianchi looks at the trees in admiration and strokes a leaf. It is early in the year for the olives to be ready, she says, but the trees are pretty and I do like the look of them. A large black dog comes galloping towards us with a wagging tail and tongue hanging out of its mouth. This is Gus, she says. Gus sniffs my hand and gives it a lick before attaching himself to Mrs. Bianchi's side. She laughs as she rubs his head. He has probably been chasing the village cat. She keeps the mice under control and entertains this big dog that I have. In a small clearing, there is a vegetable garden and storage shed covered with wisteria lazily draping itself over the roof. She walks arm in arm with me, her hand over mine, and escorts me towards the plants, and the big black dog follows. She announces, I have 16 tomato plants because I am an Italian woman and it is some kind of law, I think. 
she laughs at her own words and tells me her husband likes them. I have squash, broccoli, and fava beans growing. The big rosemary bushes are on the side of the house. And I have a special place for basil so the dogs don't bother it because of the things dogs do. You know what the male dogs do, she says as she gives me a wink and another stroke to Gus's head. I was born in this house, she tells me. She points to some small, pale pink rose bushes and tells me her grandmother started them. And her mother loved to garden and she herself continues to keep them flowering, removing old ones and replacing them when they stop making buds. This is the scent I smelled in the air at the top of the drive. There is a bucket with a small shovel and clippers near one of the bushes. She pulls out the clippers and scrutinizes one of the plants for a rose to clip. I will cut some of these for our table. They will be beautiful to look at while we eat. We walk back to the outdoor kitchen and Mr. Bianchi is waiting for us. I can smell the wood in the oven as we get closer. He calls out, our guest is here to see both of us, and you take her for yourself. He laughs and speaks some Italian to his wife. She tells me, he said, we have better things to serve you than water. Opening the old aqua blue fridge near the creaky door reveals several bottles of yellow liquid. This is the other thing I do with all the lemons. For me, I know exactly what it is. Mr. Bianchi puts three heavy glass cups on the table and pours some limoncello into each. Then raises a glass in a quick toasting motion and says, now I make the pizza. He has three balls of dough on a workspace near the brick oven that is already emitting a warm, earthy aroma. He has a tray of assorted foodstuffs and seasonings, and I attentively watch him make this pizza that has given him a reputation. With his fingertips, he begins to shape one of the balls into a round, flat disc, then gives it some spins with his fists until it is to his liking. He has a large dark blade knife that is quite unusual. I have seen many knives in my chef career, but this one clearly is a custom design. The handle looks to be made of bone. Mr. Bianchi sees me admiring it from my seat at the table and asks, you like? I nod. It is quite beautiful. My friend in Venice made it for me 19 years ago, and it is as sharp as a razor. I am starting to see why this is precision pizza. He 
He sets the crust on a peel and takes a lemon from the tray and begins to cut it with the black bladed knife into slices so thin they are transparent. The color reminds me of the palest yellow I saw in a stained glass window inside a church in Rome. I am enthralled at this lemon slicing taking place next to a pizza oven. He continued to repeat this until more than half the lemon was in paper-thin rounds, taking care to flick out the seeds with the tip of the knife each time one appeared. Mrs. Bianchi starts to tell me about this pizza as he continues to slice other things like red onions, potatoes, and even smashes a few olives to expose the pits. As I sip homemade limoncello, she tells me, the pizza is something she tried to make, but it's not as good as when he does it. He knows the perfect amount of everything and how long to cook it. It is like a magician at work in my garden. She laughs a bit, but also glances at him with love and admiration. He is humming, clearly feeling joy as he moves through his process. I had to figure out things to do with all these lemons, so I put them on pizza. Why not? He says with a shrug of his shoulders and continues to sing a bit more. Indeed, sir, why not? The other dogs appear and all sit under the ivy awning to escape the warm sun for a little while and perhaps to catch some scraps from our meal. Gus is firmly seated on the ground beside Mrs. Bianchi. Butterflies are darting around the flowers nearby. Lavender lines the walkway and they seem to enjoy it as Gus watches them. They are interesting, but not enough to leave the side of his mistress. Two pizzas are slid into the oven and the husband and wife are standing together, setting up plates to receive the hot pies when they come out. The air changed from smelling of pink roses to smelling of the wood-roasted pizza, earthy stow, and savory herbs. Within what seemed like seconds, he has the peel back in the oven, removing the thin rounds of lemon-topped flatbreads. He presents one to me and carefully watches my face. The edges have puffed blisters with a hint of char. The lemons have nearly melted into the dough. Bumps of olive pieces peek out. The onions have caramelized and a front of rosemary in the center adds a flavorful, artistic touch. He puts his finger on the top of an olive oil bottle and with dramatic motion, drizzles just a bit the 
for putting it on a plate. Please eat and tell me how much you love it. He kisses his wife and she joins me at the table. It is delicious. Crispy, tender, and full of delicate flavors that marry together perfectly. Mr. Bianchi refills my limoncello and sets another bottle beside me with instruction to take it with me when I go. With full bellies, we three sit exchanging stories and smiles until sundown when the taxi arrives to take me back to where I came from. Thank you for such a memorable pizza experience in the garden.